Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Hey, everybody, welcome to this special edition of HR Latte. This is Rayanne Thorne, and I have a really interesting story to share with you today. My special guest today is Derek Zeller. Hey, Derek, thanks for joining me here on HR Latte. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I am really excited, which is an interesting word to use for this topic that we're going to be discussing, but I'm excited and also nervous and also emotional about what we're going to talk about today. You recently published a blog post that was shared out on the Intrepid Now network. And you have an interesting story to share. And before we jump into that, I would love it if you could introduce yourself. Ah, well, uh, Derek Zeller, as I guess you said, um, <laughs> I've been recruiting for longer than I care to mention. I'll uh, probably age myself. <laughs> I've been around a long time. Uh, started out an agency to work for government contractors now in the D.C. area, uh, searching for pretty much anything with a clearance, mostly IT. I'm, I'm right now and getting heavily involved with cyber. Started blogging, I got, I got, what, two and a half years ago now, three years. Wow. Started out a recruiting blog site, just kind of voicing stuff and got picked up and just started to write more and more and more. And now I'm, I'm writing stuff that really means something to me and I'm yeah. trying to convey educational things to the younger recruiters. And it's been a crazy ride. I've gotten some amazing stuff so, sent back to me. And this piece really spoke to me, and it took me a long time to write. So Right, and I'm going to direct folks to it. If you haven't read it, it's called A Simple Question, A Complicated Answer, The Interview. And Derek, you have a very authentic voice when it comes to the information that you share via blog post or on other podcasts, or I hope it will come through on this podcast. There is a quote that you shared at the top of this blog that is this. There are moments which mark your life. Moments when you realize nothing will ever be the same and time is divided into two parts, before this and after this. And I can tell you that this blog post was one of those moments for me. And the reason I wanted to have you on the show was to dive in a little bit deeper about this and give you an opportunity to, I guess, prove that this isn't sensationalized, that this is a, a real authentic story that you have shared with us. And this is one of the great things about blogging and articles and online content today is the authenticity and the the truth. You know, we've, we've been saying transparency for years, but the truth that comes out. And I think that's one of your mantras, right, is, is truth. And so I would love to have you share with us a couple of things. And let's talk about the blog itself. I know that Marie is a real person. That is not her name. No, and not. have you been in contact with her recently? No, I haven't. I haven't talked to Maria since I pretty much Really, since I moved out east from okay. where this took place in California, I have a fear of reprisal. Right. <laughs> um, I, I kind of, uh, I went through that already <laughs> once before. Right. So I'm, I'm trying to keep this as, you know, this wasn't about them. This was about, you know, Maria or the, the person right. we call Maria. Let's so break it. Let's break down the story then. Let's talk about it. Tell us what happened with Maria. Now, you're a longtime recruiter. 
um, have a, a true recruiter's heart, you come at this job, it is a career for you. It isn't a job. And so many folks that are in recruitment look at it like a job, right? This is just right. filling, yeah. getting butts in seats. This isn't about anything other than acquisition. Absolutely. And you don't approach recruiting that way. So give us the overall gist of this story. Well, I think the, the story was just like, I was raised in, I was going to use a really bad Stephen, Steve Martin joke, but that's probably inappropriate. <laughs> um, I was, I was raised up in a, a non third party recruiting. I mean, that's where I got my start. That's my first, you know, my first real recruiting gig. I was 30 years old, didn't really have a career. And, you know, I've written about you know, my whole story and how it gets started and everything, but I learned because I've been a salesperson my whole life. I mean, that's, I grew up in sales. And so I knew it was a sale. And this was my first corporate gig, my venture into the corporate world where I've been pretty much now for, you know, a better part of my life. And I still, to this day, kind of have that mentality of working third party, you know, controlling the situation, always be selling ABC. You know, when I'm done and I make an offer, I'm not worried if they're going to, they're going to accept it. And, you know, not the traditional corporate recruiter that does the let's negotiate at the end. I'm always negotiating at the beginning. Sure. That's the smart and way to do it. Exactly. <laughs> I, I just, I don't understand what people do. It, it just seems back asswards to me. It like does. That's, that's, let's face it. That's the golden ticket. It's going to be money. So anyway, I went through the phases. I was actually training an entire team. I had eight people underneath me and then I had my manager just because I had the recruiting background and none of them were recruiters. They were all people off the sales floor or, you know, just people that had come in and they knew the business, they knew the company, they knew who would make it, but they didn't know like what questions to ask or how to do salary negotiations at the front end, not the back end. And I started teaching them all that. And I ran into Maria and, you know, I mean, here's this 18 year old kid, <laughs> you know, just never, I don't think I've ever met anyone like her at that age. And I think maybe because of what happened, that's what made her so strong. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't profess to to guess that. All I know is she was polished. She was strong. She knew what she wanted. She wanted that job, and she was going to do whatever she had to do to get it, but in a right way. And I'm just. I was like so excited because when I left that company, my hire rate and stay six month stay rate was 100 percent first wow. time ever in the history of the company. Wow. Because I knew what to do. I mean, I, I got it. You yeah, know? you understood and, the process and, and how to do yeah, it Yeah, right. I get the people. I get yeah. it. You know, yeah. it's sort of like, I know you're going to make it here. I know what this environment is. I've done what you're going to go do. I went through the training myself. I, I literally became a licensed agent in the state of California. Right. So, you know, when that moment happened, that's when it just kind of blew me away. Like, I'm like I've never had that. Ha I've, I've had really wild conversations with people. Like really strange things brought oh, up. Oh, so have I. Anybody who's recruited for any amount of time has had yeah, I mean, very, you, very private things shared with you. Yeah, they, they, you know, and unfortunately, my grandmother used to say it's a blessing and a curse in my right, family. Right. That people just they tell open you up to me. They open up the floodgates. <laughs> they just want to tell me everything. They're just, I'm like, okay, you know, and I, I've had to coach people over the years, even to now. I'm like, really not appropriate. So let's yeah. make sure that we don't do that, you know, and I'm, I'm just trying to save you from embarrassment, sure. you know, kind of thing. Sure. And I overshare, I get it. I mean, I've, I've done, I get so excited. I'm like, I'm like, I do the same thing, but that's what makes you who you are. Right? And, right. and I, I share everything too much all the time. And it's part of being an authentic voice in the blogosphere too, right? It's, it's how you are come across as truthful. 
So right. let's talk about that defining moment. I want to get to it. And then let's let's talk about the change that it had in your life. You were sitting across from, a, I'm guessing, a highly polished conference table from Maria, interviewing her for a role. Yep. And the question you asked was? Well, I asked, I, I, I call it the Jungian Briggs Myers test of the, right. which I, I just, I mean, it's literally this came out that, and it came out that actually these tests really don't make any difference. No, they don't. They don't. They've finally been scientifically proved. Like Harvard came out and said, this is all BS. But I had to ask because, you know, it's part of the process. Right. And normally we do this before, before I do like the, the phone role play, like, you know, sell me, ins- you know, sell me insurance kind of thing. Right. And uh, the question was simple. It was like, you know, what was something that's happened to you that you've had to overcome and how did you overcome it? I mean, it was very generic, you know, and this girl's 18 years old. So, you know, I'm sitting there going, okay, so she's going to tell me about the time that, you know, she got stood up for prom. Right. Right. She got rear ended, you know, her dad was mean, you know, right. she had to fight with her best friend and they, you know, they overcame it, you know, some kind of strange high school kind of thing. And for her to tell me what she told me, and I, I don't know if you want me to say it, but yeah, say I, it. Say it uh, that she had been raped eight months before. Eight months. So I just looked at her and at the time my mom had not officially, but through our church had adopted two girls from Iraq who were maybe three years younger than her Uh. and I lost it. So I I still not over it. Uh, It was just, I'm not, and I don't want to make it about me. That's the reason why this took me so long to write this. I just, I just sat there. I just stared. I had no idea. I've never, I mean, I've, I have interviewed and then re-interviewed a man who decided to become a woman. I have uh, interviewed a homeless man uh, who was trying to raise kids. I've interviewed, I mean, it's the story just goes on and on and on. I mean, I've interviewed thousands of people and this is the first time I was literally just dropped. And anybody who knows me, you know me. Uh, I'm (laughs) very vocal. I have always got it. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, overly snarky and funny and, you know, kind of guarded at certain times, but I just was like, I didn't know what to say. And her response afterwards of how she was not going to be a victim, how she was going to take this kid to court. She knew who he was. It was, you know, it was date rape before yeah. we even called it date rape. This was before the the days of uh, the, the drugs and, and so on and so forth. And I was so, I just, I didn't know. I, I'm like, I can't let this kid go. And I'm not going to let this major corporation look at her as a danger. Right. And, right. you know, a troublemaker. She doesn't fit the society. Like she, she might be a harlot. She asked for it. She, she's wearing the, the red A. Right. You know, I just, I couldn't do it. Uh, just, it's just not the way I was raised. So that's why I went and grabbed my manager, who was a female, who was also a good friend. I quickly explained the story to her, and I'll never forget. I didn't put it in the story, but she said, I came in pale and sweating. And she said she'd never, she thought somebody had died. She thought I was coming to tell her that my mother had died, or my father had died, or my grandfather had died. She didn't know. She's just like, you looked like completely out of sorts, completely not you. She goes, "You you were just so animated. And when I told her what was going on, she grabbed my hand and we walked back to the office and I had them talk. I sat in the back quietly. She kept looking at, she would look at me every once in a while and I would just kind of 
just nod my head like a bobblehead doll. <sighs> you know, when we said, uh, you know, you don't make an offer right away, obviously, at any company. And when she left, I said, you know, I told her and I, I turned to my manager and I just said, you know, hey, I, I mean, like, we got to do, we just got to do something. And she, and she was just like, it's already been, she's already in, in my head. She goes, I've been writing stuff down. So we wrote out, not a fake story, but a soft story, if you will, to paint a, a less harsher light, which once again, I didn't write in the story, but there's maybe that's why it sits with me. And maybe that's why I did attend, you know, seminars with her and, and right. listened to her and trained her and worked with her on public speaking, volunteer time when I was in California to women's shelters to help women with their resumes, how to dress for success, not wear a ton of makeup, don't wear a ton of, don't wear, you know, flashy jewelry, how to be strong and, and answer questions and ask questions and, and do well for women that were entering the workforce who had been, you know, battered. And it was, it was great for me. And it was, I think, therapeutic for her. I, I, didn't, go, I didn't go to the, I, it was therapeutic for me uh, to a point. It's interesting that naivete that we sometimes have, these bubbles that we say we sit in. I've always said we don't really know what's going on 20 miles without, within 20 miles around us, we know, and outside of that, we don't. Right. And we live in this world where we think it's all peaches and cream and we watch the news every once in a while. Oh my God, that's horrible. The Facebook world, the fake book world, right? Where yeah. everything yeah. Is, is only good that we share. Yeah, or if it's bad, it's like we just we eat it up with a spoon and then yeah. you, know, you go to snow. Isn't that the truth? Right. I, I can't tell you how many of my friends have said, "Wow, I can't believe that I fell for that." Right. And we're in, you know, and I don't want to get political, but we're in the most contentious election cycle I've we ever certainly seen. Certainly are. And my head's spinning. I just, I'm like, seriously, I, I almost feel like I'm in a coma, and I just want to wake up. I and, know. And go, wow, this isn't it. Anymore. I just keep saying scary times, right? I just keep saying, I, I don't even I was, know what to say. That's where I was with her. I'm just like sitting there going, that, that didn't just happen. Right, right. That's not part of my world. That, that, that doesn't exist in my world. And now all of a sudden, I'm brought into this whole new universe that this, this crap happens. And the more, the deeper I got into it, the more I learned. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it actually became my final, I, I dropped out of college years ago and, and when I were back then and I went back to college and I just looked back and I'm like, wow, you know, this is, I wrote a whole thesis on abandoned children. They're called the runaways, but they're not really mm -hmm. runaways. They're just parents who just drop off these 13 year olds. The parents and are I'd the heard, runaways. Yeah. And I would heard stories, but I'd never, I mean, but to sit there and see it real life. Yeah. Face to face, staring at you, this, this poor kid. I don't care if the world thinks she's an adult. She's not. She's 18 years old. She's a freaking kid. And know? I think of she's my own children at 18, right? As I was reading your story, all I could picture were my own daughters. I have three daughters of my own. The youngest is 20. And I imagine them when they were 18. And I imagine my sisters or, you know, if, if it had happened to me, how would I have responded? Would I have been as mature as Maria was? I wish if it had happened to me that there had been someone like you and your manager that had been there for me in that moment, because anybody else could have said, oh, she's not a fit and she's going to break and we just can't bring her in because, you know, it's too risky and right. But to put that aside and say, this is what, what we can do to give back to her. Yeah, I, the first thing I thought in my head is, you know, and being from a third party recruiter, not knowing what 
happens necessarily with inside of a corporation. Right. Right. I think the other part of, of me that kicked in, Fran, was just, I just, I wanted to protect her. Right. I got to tell you, it took me two days and a very bloody fist and some really good friends to hold me back because back then I had a temper, like a really bad temper. And I just, I wanted to find this guy. I just wanted to exact revenge. I I, I barely know this girl and I was so angry and I pushed, I made sure she got that gig. I stuck with her. We had lunch two or three times a week. I became kind of like an older brother for her. She didn't have any other real family members. And it was such an awesome thing for me, but there was always this bubbling underneath the skin of where I just, I wanted to know who this kid was. And, and we don't talk about it, right? Rape is such an, uh, leaves such internal scars yeah. for women, for the families that, you know, experience it within their, within their family. And it's not something that we talk about. Like miscarriage, it's the unspoken pain, right? We don't talk about it. We don't have to share. We don't get to share it in order to make it better, right? Let's let's rip the Band-Aid off, expose it to the air, and make sure that healing happens. The legal system doesn't help at all. Doesn't at all. I mean, the legal system, you have, you have some jackalope attorney sitting across from you tearing your entire life apart. Well, you know, we heard that you've, uh, you're pretty promiscuous with this guy, Bobby, that we've, we've, you know, looked up or, you know, you wore short, short skirts. I'm like, yeah, you know what, Deuce Lord, women dress for women, not for men, by right. the way. I, I've been around women my entire life. I've been raised by women. I've been, I was in the clothing industry in the later part of my life. I get it. I know exactly why women do what they do. It's not about men. That's ridiculous. It's the stupidest thing. And so, of course, it's a male, it's a male conversation. Sure. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think, I don't know if you see, I mean, we were having a, a conversation on Facebook today in, in one of our groups where a, the head of global branding for a very mass, a worldwide company, I mean, global company was talking, she, she just put up a, a, a screen of an inappropriate email that had come through from a salesperson. I'm like, this is the most misogynistic. Uh arrogant. I'm like, I was angry. I'm like, first of all, I'm angry. I'm not, I don't want to say that I'm angry because you're my friend and a woman that I love is like a sister, but I am on top of it. It's still, this is BS and it needs to be called out. And the scary part for me was, is there were women that were like, I don't really see it that way. And and then all of a sudden I'm like, why don't you go reread everything again? Yeah. Do me a favor and reread it one more time and look at it like I'm looking at it. And all of a sudden people are like, Oh. Even other men were coming in and saying, wow, Derek is completely correct. This yeah. was this was a totally uncalled for, unprofessional. I can't even, I start to like stutter because I was so angry. I'm like, this is this is not appropriate in our industry. It just isn't. LinkedIn isn't match.com. No. It's you know, it's like, right. stop it. And stop bullying a woman who, by the way, makes probably twice what you make and has more <laughs> freaking power than you could possibly imagine. Right. And you're trying to bully her in so that you can get a, a, a meeting with somebody in recruiting. Right. Not going to happen on my watch, chief. <laughs> it's just not. I don't really well, we care. We need more guys like now. you. You know, I think, I think what we're starting to see and understand is just because you don't see it happening doesn't mean it isn't happening. You know, it's like cancer. Or a yeah. heart attack, man. It's a quiet disease. It's a silent that- thing. And until somebody that sees the injustice stands up, and it can't always be women standing up for women. It's got to be men like you, men who are outside of it and see 
the injustice, see the misogynistic behavior, read the words that are insulting and diminutive, right? How it's going to take somebody like you that says, no, enough is enough, no more. Yeah, some of the comments that I've I've read, not only just on our the site that you know we're on, on Intrepid, yeah, on Intrepid, but I like on. I mean, it's been shared on LinkedIn forty times already, and uh, people from not just the United States but all over the world have right. some of the most powerful statements are the are the quietest. I mean, yeah. one guy from the UK just said, "Wow." Like, I think that I was when you sent it to me the first time. I think I said, "Wow." Okay. Yeah. That was my yeah. first response was, okay, I need to, I need to take this in. I need to think about it. I need to, you know, really digest it and, and figure out, okay, where does, what does this mean for me personally? Because a good writer does that, yeah. right? A good writer puts it in front of you and says, okay, this is for you to consume and for you to figure out what it means for your life. And that's exactly what you've done. We're going to take a quick break, Derek, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the aftermath. Of, yeah, okay. of what happened with Maria. And also, why write this now? So mm-hmm. we'll be right back. You're listening to this original podcast on Intrepid Now, your media platform for today. Business and HR, healthcare, technology, and lifestyle. Welcome to the new age of information and get Intrepid Now. And we're back. My guest today is Derek Zeller, the special edition of HR Latte, and I call it life, um, hashtag life. You know, this is where this came under. It's it's obviously an HR story. It's obviously a recruiting story, but it could have happened in any, any to any of us. It could have happened in any aspect of any job. You could have been trying to sell something, which recruiting is, we know, as you stated earlier. And sometimes it, you could have been a bartender, right? And the story could just be shared or a hairdresser or any situation where a woman or a person that you're speaking with feels vulnerable and is feels vulnerable and comfortable to say, okay, we're going to share this now. So tell us why. Why share this now? I've sat on this for a very long time. We were having a story and it was just chatting. And I was with some friends at a dinner party and I had already written this. I have lots of things I have written that I, I don't post. I, they're, just, they're just sitting there in kind of like this ethereal world where I haven't decided what I want to do with it or I just don't like it yet or I didn't like the direction that it took. And when I wrote this, I probably rewrote this like 10 times. And I sent it originally and I was at a dinner party. I was talking with a nurse and she was just telling me we were talking like at one point in time in my life, I actually recruited travel nurses. And I said, yeah, I, I'd worked with some ICU nurses and they'd seen some horrible stuff. And she'd had a couple glasses of wine and decided to reiterate her story about a woman, a young girl that had been raped that came in. And she's like how she just detested she was with the rape kit, even though it was necessary for DNA evidence. Right. But like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, you know, she's like, how do I go to this young girl and basically rape her again? Yeah. And it just, it just, wow. It just, I literally, like, five minutes later said, gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta go. And I came, it was a Saturday night, and I came home, and it was like 8.30. I opened it up, and I rewrote it one more time, and that's when I just stared at it. And and that's when I sent it to you and and a few other of my female friends, because I was like, I want to make sure this voice is not my voice. This is Maria's voice. 
And that was so important to me. And and I know why it's important for you to share this. I know this because I'm a woman. I'm a, a woman that's fought the good woman fight for many, yeah, many years exactly. of my life. And that's, I want to know, though, why it was it important for you, Derek, to write this? Because like, yeah, I, think it's, I think it's exactly what you said. We, we are becoming deaf to women's voices when it comes to this, these subjects. And men aren't stepping up and saying, I, I agree. Right. And it's getting better. It's getting better. I think it is because we're talking about it, right? We're having shows like this. We're We're talking about it. We're opening, we're opening, as they say, with my friends who are uh, homosexual or gay, whatever they want to call themselves, who I've been friends with for since God, I was five years old. We're opening that closet door. Yeah. We're getting raw and it's painful for a lot of people, but it should be because it's conversations we need to start having. We need to start training each other. We need to start teaching each other that yeah. we're living in this weird fishbowl, man. And we've only got so much time here. And when you're born, you sign a social contract that says you're going to be good to each other. And we're not doing it. It's just getting worse. I, and I, I, I love mean, that. So. I look around the world and I'm like, are you kidding me right now, man? When I was, <laughs> when I was like 18, 19 years old, I was on top of the freaking world. I was having a blast, man. I had friends. We were having a great time. It was the 80s. We didn't have cell phones. Maybe social media is destroying us. Maybe. Maybe that there's just too much going on that we're, but we're using it in such a negative way. Right. I know it's funny to make fun of, like, you know, cat pictures and things, but maybe that's a pretty awesome thing, too. Yeah. You know, let's, <laughs> let, let's look at some joy, man. I'm like, I'm, you know. I don't want to call him out, but I'm going to because I'm just going to do it because I love him. And I, I just love what he's told me. As Andrew Gadomsky just said, I'm off Facebook, man. Yeah. He's out because I can't take it anymore. He said, if you want to reach me, text me, call me, email me, but I'm out. He's just out. And I have slowed my role on it. I still post on there. and But God, I mean, I see myself getting so riled up over just these things. And I'm like, I can't control it. It's like you want to, it's like shaking a doll. You know, it's like, I'm like, what is going on? Why is this consistently happening? I have an interesting, interesting story to share, Derek. Last night I, I, um, posted meatballs or meat sauce on Facebook to kind of gauge, you know, what one thing I love meatballs and I've not made any for a very long time. And so I like it was part of what, but I also, I thought, okay, I know that people are really passionate about meatballs versus meat sauce or meat sauce versus meatballs or Italian sausage. So I wonder what kind of responses I will get back, hoping that it wouldn't go crazy like the political posts and the rants that are out there, right? right. And it, it didn't. People were accepting of, hey, it's okay if you like meat sauce. Hey, it's okay if you like meatballs, you know? Everybody was just happy to share something, right? And yep. so I, I thought it was really interesting how visibly angry and anxious and horrifyingly mean people can be to each other when it comes to choice of religion or even choice of cell phone. I mean, people get crazy if you choose a, you know, a Google phone over a, an iPhone. Yeah. And, and it's crazy how, how people get that. So I was very happy that nobody went nuts and said, how can you like meatballs instead of meat sauce? I, I got to <laughs> add to that real quick because we're doing the Facebook thing. And it's two seconds, but I got to tell you a quick story. It's not torn. It's not key. And I can't think of, I don't think I know the guy, but he's in Texas. He's African-American. He lives in a basically a predominantly white neighborhood. There's one other African-American family that had moved in about three months after, you know, he'd been there for a while, but another African-American, you know, had come in. They'd been there about 30 months. The house got on fire and it burned down. And everybody being in this Farmville type town, 
came running to the house and the family was standing there and the predominantly white people grabbed the kids and hugged them, hugged the mother, hugged the father. And it wasn't about black and white. It was this beautiful story where kids were coming out with coats. People were offering places to stay so the family could at least try to be together because they had extra rooms. It was the most beautiful story I've ever read. Oh, thank Facebook. you for sharing that. Thank you and it's so like, much. Why don't I see this more? <laughs> why can't we share more of that? Right. You know, right. this sells papers too, guys. It actually sells more papers and it, it sells, sells love. more papers. Let's show about the love, man. Let's talk about the love. So one of the things that I wanted to to point out was how beautifully you presented this story of Maria. The sensitivity that is shown in your writing is is clean, it's clear, it's pure. And I am so thankful that you didn't share too much of the anger that you felt, right? Because I think it would have overshadowed what you did do, what you did feel. And also the rise of Maria for her to be this exceptional young woman that that overcame so much, right? So what was it that kept you from sensationalizing it? What was it that kept you from getting really angry and, and dirty and mean about it? You know, the, the funny thing is, is, you know, Animal, from the Animal shows, he nicknamed me the angry recruiter from some of my writing. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is I don't, I don't see it, but okay. <laughs> uh, a lot of times I am, I, I get angry. I'll, I'll just admit it. I mean, I, I, I would I say get, emotional. Mad, Let's but, call it emotional. I'm emotional yeah, okay. and passionate. All right. That's a good, that's a, that's an, that another excellent adjective, I guess. I like it. I am passionate. I'm extremely passionate about I'm passionate about my industry. I'm passionate about teaching and, and learning because I'm still learning every day. It wasn't about me, Brianna. It wasn't about me. That wasn't the whole point. I wanted people to feel Maria. I wanted people to say, wow. Yeah. That's why I think it was a tough write for me because I think we as, as writers, we, we write about things we know and things we're passionate about, but we want to be that star in the story a little bit, which is fine, but this wasn't about that. It wasn't about that. That wasn't what I wanted to do. It was, it was an extremely emotional post for me. It was an extremely emotional write for me. I write predominantly in restaurants or bars because I'm single. And so I just, <laughs> I, I am, I mean, it's the truth. Uh, you know, I just, I, feel comfortable. I have kind of a slight ADP thing, I think maybe. So when I'm in a room full of people, I still feel alone and mm, it helps me concentrate. So I just, I just get in the zone and I'm, I'm happy and lucky enough that I'm in a couple, I know a couple of places where when the computer opens, people just leave me alone and I sit there and I just write and I write, you know, I write from the heart and that's what any it's, good it's writer evident. should do. It you know, any good writer should do that. And, have any of the responses you've received from this particular blog surprised you? Yeah, in a good way. I've had zero negative comments. Oh, that's great. I, mean, I was zero. worried. I was worried about that. I'm sure he'll be angry that I say his name online, but Mitch Sullivan out of London, who's, I call him the, I call, I call him Mitch the, the, the UK version of uh, Matt Charney, <laughs> who also actually, Matt actually even had high praise for me. But for him to put it on LinkedIn and, and repost it on LinkedIn and, and say, 
it was the most beautiful thing he read, but he wasn't sure if that was the right word to say, but he didn't know what else to say. Yeah, that's what I, you know, that's what I shared. It was like the, well, the one thing that stuck out was that it was just so sensitive, right? Just this peaceful sensitivity about it that when you're writing about something like this, you wouldn't think would come through. Yeah. And it was beautiful, Derek. It was a beautiful piece. And yeah, I, Mitch yeah, is I right would, on about it. I, I, I honestly, I, you know how much I adore you and admire oh, you, yeah. and I appreciate that very much. It's nice to get that feedback from your peers, but to get emails from Thailand and Australia and New yeah. Zealand and just like all over the world, England and, and Denmark, and I'm like, Means you've done you? something right, right? <laughs> it's like, why? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm a really incredibly humble person, and I honestly am, I write about my life probably too much, but I'm also incredibly private. And there's certain things that have happened in my life that I just don't write about. But this was something that I just said, I got to get out. I got to, I got to get it out. I have to, I have to separate myself from this because it's, it's one thing that every time I'm in a situation when I'm around and I have so many, what I call, I, I have so many friends, I call little sisters that are all in their you know early to mid twenties. And I'm big Papa bear, you know, at this point from my age and they, lean on me. They talk to me. They tell me their stories. They tell me their fears. And it's even, you know, young guys now have been coming up and doing it and talking to me and from writing. And it's, it's, I'm slowly allowing myself to open that, that door. And I think we have to. Yeah. I think we have to. I, I think that there are, there are stories inside all of us like this and whether they're, they are our own or they are stories that become a part of our lives like this one for you and change, you know, at that moment stopped that life that you had before and you've started, you started a new life after that. And yeah, it, uh, yeah. it, it opened my, it, 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 like from that point forward, I started, you know, I started looking at people differently and I started listening to people. Well, differently. and it's why you read that email the other day differently or today when it was uh, differently than others. You have yeah. new, you're, you're looking at things with new eyes. And as a woman, I want to thank you for that, for, for taking up the standard of womanhood, protecting that. You know, so many women cry, you know, the, the battle cry of, I don't need protection. I, I do need protection. I was a, an abused, an abusive relationship. And there were many people around me that knew and only yeah. one man stood up and said, you need to leave. Yeah. You know, and that gave me the courage to see, okay, I can leave. I can leave because I was in a dire situation and I knew, I knew that if I didn't leave, Something very yeah. horrible was going to happen. Yeah, I know. And it takes somebody like you saying those words. You don't well, deserve this, and I'm going to fight for you, and I'm going to be part of the battle, and I'm not going to be on the other side throwing rocks. I'm going to be on this side holding up a shield and saying this is no longer right. So thank you very much. I agree, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. I think we as a society, men and women, need to heal each other we need to stand with each other we do we need to be a unit we need to start saying what you just said no it's not happening and become we need to you know it takes a village it takes a tribe and we can be that tribe and we just need to talk about things more and we need to just open up more and once you do it man i gotta tell you it's a waterfall of goodness it's just <laughs> it really is it, this has been a very, this has been therapeutic for me in a lot of ways, you know, and it's just, I know 
I'm amazed where she, I'm hoping she still is, you know, with two kids and a great right. husband. Right. You know, I just, I'm like, it's been years since we've chatted and that's okay. That's all right. People fall out of other people's lives yep. and, you know, and some She's never going to fall out of your life, Derek. You know, not from but, a mental standpoint. Right. You know, I'm always wondering if she'll stumble upon this or someone will send it to her. I mean, we become in such a social age. Right. I know the moment she starts reading it, she knows it's her. <laughs> so I sit and I wait. And if she reaches out, she does. I mean, I'm not going to stock or source. And I, yeah. I just, that's just not my style. But Well, thank you. And I hope that you continue to share stories that have impact and have the ability to stop somebody in their tracks and help them see things with new eyes. I think that that's our responsibility as writers, as, as content creators, to share information that changes our view. That causes yeah. us to sh- to shift gears, yeah, and I, you've definitely done that. I appreciate that. I'm uh, in the middle of, you know, I went back to that folder that I dusted it off, and hmm. I'm one of those. I guess I'm one of those rare writers, apparently, that actually uses notebooks. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally have a stack of notebooks on my dining room table. I'm looking at the four right here on my desk. <laughs> yeah, right. I knew you. I knew you would. I knew you knew where I was going with that. Yeah. I just like going through these old stories and sometimes I just well up. I'm like, damn, why did I let this go? What, why was I afraid? You know, and I think maybe now that I'm realizing there's nothing to be afraid of, you know, the the old saying, there's only fear is to fear itself. That's right. I'm getting ready to just like, you know what? I'm too old to not get these stories out and I just don't care anymore. Well, we used to sit around a fire, you know, and tell stories and and, uh, share it. And then, then they would get told and retold and retold and probably changed, of course over time. But this is our fire. You know, yeah. I always I always think that, you know, this is our front porch. I've always called social media the new front porch. This is where we meet and greet and pass this, the time and share the stories of the day. So thank you for stopping by my porch. Well, no, thank you for inviting <laughs> me. And I appreciate you a great deal. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Derek, I look forward to your next hashtag life post and we will be talking soon. Thanks for stopping by HR Latte today. Thank you. Take care.